G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A new book from a career missionary who served in West Africa for 50 years has just been released. It's an autobiography telling how Jesus transformed a young man into a faithful servant in a community where the gospel faced many hindrances, including voodoo and the prevalence of Islam, of communism, of tropical diseases, as well as spiritual and health attacks. Missionary Ross Jones' new book is called Aspires to Lofty Heights, and Ross is joining us. Ross, welcome along to 2020. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Ross, uh, let's get the geography right here. You spent much of that 50 years in West Africa, in places like the Benin Republic and Nigeria. Which one of those stands out biggest in your memories? Uh, Well, I lived in Benin Republic for about 17 years um, at the beginning. Um, And I started my Bible translation work. Uh, when that was finished, uh, it, uh, the work developed into Nigeria. We were sort of very close to the Nigerian border. Um, so I went over to Nigeria, but at that stage, uh, I have four sons, and we brought them back to Australia for their education. Um, so I was going out to Nigeria twice a year for six-week trips. Uh, I could do a lot of the preparation work home here in Australia, but I... I, I sort of feel that Benin Republic is my second home. So spending that time working on Bible translation in the Benin Republic, uh, give us some insights into how difficult it was in those early days. Uh, the area was very underdeveloped. Um, bad roads, uh, no electricity, um, Muslim community, and... Um, as you've mentioned, uh, Benin and Togo next door are the countries where they believe the voodoo developed from and went to the East Indies, West Indies and um, South America. So uh, I don't like using the word primitive, but, uh, you know, life was very basic living out there. So primitive Um, conditions and voodoo. Let me just focus on that for a few moments because here you are, a missionary arriving in a West African nation. Voodoo is prominent. And, of course, voodoo is like a form of magic. Uh, Give us an insight here into how the Christian deals with the issues around voodoo. When you're translating the Bible and you're discipling people in a local church, how are they dealing with that? Uh, well, the local people know how to deal with it much better than I do. And uh, whenever I had a challenge in that area, I had to get advice from the local people and um, what to do about it. Um, voodoo is, um, well, we used to just think about uh, these 
spiritual religion, the religion of the the people that I was uh, working for uh, among are called the Boko people, B-O-K-O. Um, they're basically Muslim, but underneath it all is uh, animistic beliefs. And because they are in Benin Republic, those animistic beliefs are very much linked with what we call voodoo. So that means there's lots of uh, demon possession. There are mediums who bring messages to the people and telling them what they should do. Uh, there's animal sacrifice. There's black magic, which is used to kill people, make them sick. Um, uh, most people have taboos. They shouldn't eat this or they shouldn't eat that. Um, it's not very well organized. It's not sort of like an organized religion. Um, but everybody uh, has the temptation to go back to that way of life. They know that there's spiritual power there, um, and that's the temptation. Ross, for the Christian believer, in a circumstance where there is this voodoo, this tribal magic, a terminology we don't often talk about these days so much, the idea of a power encounter. Is this something that's commonplace in in places like Benin Republic? Um, well, I've, I've read about some power encounters. I don't know whether we've had any ourselves just like that. Um, but what I've discovered is that the black magic doesn't affect Christians, uh, certainly if they're walking with the Lord, they've got nothing to fear from the black magic. Uh, at the moment, um, the Boko Church is in, uh, experiencing a 10% growth each year. 5% of that is from biological growth, and the other 5% is from Muslims converting to Christianity. And the main reason they're, they're doing that is because of the black magic. They're fearful of people putting curses on them uh, and even killing them. Uh, and they recognise that the pastor's prayers are effective against the black magic. And so for that reason, we've got several hundred Muslims turning to the Lord every year. Wow, because that's amazing, because there's a certain sense in which the local people, uh, the people who've been influenced by the voodoo, appreciate that there is not just fun things that happen, because sometimes we think of magic as being something fun, but it actually dominates and causes all sorts of difficulties and challenges and problems and health concerns in people's lives. And when they discover the gospel, then they've discovered something like a stronger magic. Is that the way you'd describe the way that the gospel affects people in that sense? Yes, we do have a lot of... Um what they call spiritual churches in Benin Republic, where you're not sure whether they're Christian or whether they're um, voodoo. <laughs> they're trying to tap into both. Um, in the north, among the Bokos, we've been uh, very strict that people should have uh, no connection at all with the voodoo side of things, and that if they become Christian, they surrender their lives to Jesus um, and they um, they shouldn't worry about or let uh, these old beliefs um, worry them. They can just trust the Lord to make things work out okay. And what you're doing is illustrating just how important it is for the missionary endeavour to translate the Bible so that the people have 
the Bible in their mother tongue so that they can appreciate the power of the gospel as setting people free from those things. Where did you get to uh, in your translation work for the Bible for the uh, Benin Republic? It's a funny thing. Um, when I was at school, I didn't like languages. I loved maths and science. Um, but when I became the Christian at the age of 22, I got involved with uh, Open Air Campaigners, an evangelistic organization. And um, after two years, I went to Bible school. And I said to the Lord, I just uh, want you to show me, Lord, where you want me to go and what you want me to do. And I was very surprised when the Lord led me clearly to do Bible translation. Um, but I, once I got into Bible translation, got into the linguistic side of it, I just found it was, I was just made for it. Um, analyzing the grammar of a language, uh, working out, reading primers, uh, and then getting into the translation work. I just feel that I've led such a charmed life because I've just loved my work. Uh, you know, work was never a burden, uh, never too much. Translating the whole Bible, it takes about 20 years and it's very time consuming, but I loved every minute of it. Just dev uh, delving into uh, commentaries and uh, Greek and Hebrew dictionaries, trying to get everything just right. And the people out there, they love the Bible. They love it. And fascinating the way that God transforms a young man who didn't think of himself as being the square peg that would fit that round hole. Uh, but when you were into what God called you to do, uh, you just took great pleasure in serving him in the gifting that he'd given to you. Yes, and I never want to give it up after the 20 years of doing the Boko Bible. Um, the Boko people, there's about 150,000 of them. Um, then I realized there's another 200,000 people that spoke related languages over the border in Nigeria. So I, I was just addicted to doing the work that I was doing. And um, I went over there and did a survey in Nigeria to find out uh, how many languages there were and their populations because nobody seemed to know. Um, but that's why I've spent 50 years out there because after finishing the Boko Bible, I've adapted that Bible to five other languages that are related to Boko so that these other five language groups in Nigeria could also have the Word of God in their own tongue. Ross, so what I'm hearing you say is that you translated the entire Bible for the Boko people. And then you went across the border into Nigeria and there were five other people groups with similar cultural and connected language uh, fields that you were able to adapt. And did you complete the Bible for all five of those groups as well? Uh, uh, I did the complete Bible for the Bokos. Uh, the other languages are all smaller and they don't have developed churches. Uh, the first two languages, they're called Boko Baru and Bisa. Um, I translated the full New Testament and 50% of the Old Testament for those two languages. So there was about 70% of the Bible. And then the last three languages I worked on, they're regarded as uh, being endangered languages, less than 20,000 speakers in each of them. Um, I gave them 33% of the Bible. <sighs> 
Do you ever reflect, Ross, on the significance of what it means to be able to go through the process, translating an entire Bible for a people group, as to what the future might mean for those who pick up the Bible and begin to read the Word of God and to to receive that revelation of who Jesus is? Do you reflect on that and the sort of a difference that it makes in the lives of people? Well, as a... I, I think of myself as a Bible translator plus a church planter because for most of the time I was the only missionary working in the language group. So I had to do all sorts of things. I did medical work because I was a a pharmacist originally. Um, and then I had to get out doing evangelism in the villages. Um, and then you translate the Bible they can't read it unless you teach them how to read and write their language. So we needed to have a big literacy program. Um, and then all along the way, we're just wanting to get churches planted in one village after another. And today we have over 40 towns and villages in Benin Republic with churches. Some of them are 300 strong. And it's just wonderful to see um, the respect and love they have for the Bible they're really Bible-believing churches, um, and I'm, I'm really thrilled with their development. Honour to you, Ross Jones, for having the stickability to stay at what you were called to do for 50 years and to be around long enough where you can see the fruit of that ministry, it's just amazing. And uh, so, as I say, a special honour to you in that. And you've told your story and uh, your book, your new one, is called Aspires to Lofty Heights. Just take us in behind the title of that for a few moments because I imagine what that means is you didn't know what you were in for but you realise that the task was so big and that the rewards would be so great if you could complete that Bible translation. Take us into that title for a moment. Uh, Yeah, my second name is McCallum, Ross McCallum Jones. Um, And the McCallum motto is aspired to lofty heights. Um, I just felt that it suited uh, my autobiography because, uh, you know, my whole life I'm seeking to do the will of God, uh, just wanting to be able to uh, bring glory to Jesus through it all. And uh, that's the lofty heights, you know. I'm, I have a relationship with God and I feel that the work that I'm doing is as high as I can go. I, I can't think of any other work that I could have been doing in the world that is as good as what I've done. So that's where the title came from. And, uh, it can mean he attempts difficult things, but I think the more literal one is as far as the lofty heights. Ross, I can hear your heartbeat. The humble servant of the Lord who serves in the courts of the Lord and has a realisation that when you do that, you are aspiring into the loftiest of heights. And so uh, just wonderful to get some insight today. And we're going to talk another day about some other elements of your wonderful 50-year journey as a missionary in West Africa. But let me point listeners to how they can get a hold of a book like yours, 
Aspires to Lofty Heights. That's the name of Ross McCallum Jones's new book. You can get it through Amazon, so Google Ross Jones. Aspires to Lofty Heights, and you'll be able to get a hold of it. Also available through Barnes and Noble. Now, Ross has also written a number of other books, one called The Kingdom from God, Unlocking the Secrets, a theological book based on his translation work, and also another one called Apocalyptic Terror and Millennial Glory, about end times and a commentary on the book of Revelation. Ross Jones, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Uh, Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.